Hi, I'm Terry, Instagram's sassy sober mum. Welcome to my podcast, Sober Stories from Everyday People, bringing you stories from people just like you and I. The aim of this podcast is to share our experiences with drinking and how we got and stayed successfully sober. I got a lovely message on Instagram. It says, Terry, I absolutely love your Thrive Sober online course and I loved the book that came with it. So thank you. I'm following your advice and I'm doing the work every day. Only it doesn't feel like work. It's so good. It feels like a new hobby. Six months in and I've never felt better. Your unique podcasts and daily tips on Instagram have really changed my life. How does it feel that you are changing the lives of so many people? What a lovely message. It is incredible to have an impact on someone else's life, on their journey, even if it just makes sobriety a little bit more exciting for someone or for someone to just feel a little less alone when it comes to navigating the highs and lows of getting sober. And one thing that nearly every sober person will tell you once they've got a good way in and they kind of manage to deal with all the initial challenges and feelings and thoughts and all the things that come up is that you don't regret getting sober you just don't if anything you start to think why did I not do this sooner so thank you so much for that message thank you for all of your messages I get so many lovely messages from people and I I read them all and I really really appreciate them and they make me feel really valued so thanks again Hello and welcome to Sober Stories from Everyday People. Today I'm talking to Trisha and she's in Sligo in Northwest Ireland. We had to practice that a few times, didn't we? (laughs) (laughs) Saying Sligo, yeah. Anyway, I've done it justice. Um, You've been sober 136 days today, which is fantastic. And you said that this is your longest in. So I'm really excited about learning some of the backstory and how you've got to where you've got to. But first of all, thank you so much for coming on my show. Well, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, that's good. That's a good start. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? What's your setup? What do you do for work, You know, family, etc.? Okay, so I am 39. I'm a mum of three lovely kids. I'm married for 13 years and I'm with my husband uh, 23 and a half years. So we were childhood sweethearts. Um, we li- we've always lived, I've always lived in Sligo. I never really done any travelling or anything because I started hairdressing straight out of school when I was 17. I loved it and thankfully I'm, that's what I'm still doing. Um, I work from home. We're renting a lovely home. Actually, I'm in my hair salon at the moment. This part used to actually, ironically, be a pub. Um, so this is my hair salon now. And yeah, we're here about eight years in this home and I've been working from home for that length, but I'm self-employed since 2007. Um, and yeah, that's, I'm kind of finding my way through the days every, you know, every day is different, juggling kids and juggling sober journey and, you know, your feelings and all this kind of stuff, but it's, it's exciting and it's the best it's been in my adult life. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Um, 
So let's go back a bit. Talk about your life with alcohol. How did that start? What did that look like? Um, okay, so I suppose, like, the Irish have a little bit of a reputation for like and drink, okay? And that's that's fair enough. Um, so I grew up, I mean, like, I remember being in my, my first disco, probably 13, and having a West Coast cooler. Um, you know, and it went on. We kind of experimented with maybe the stronger ones or a bottle of Bulmers, and we might share a bottle between two or three of us that were going out. And it just progressed. It was the thing to do. You go out, you might, some of the girls might have a nag and a vodka, and you'd have a few sips, and that would do because you mightn't get served somewhere. So it kind of started early, and it was the done thing, and nobody really passed any heat. You know, I think the culture, even growing up, you know, we've seen our parents do it. We've seen our parents kind of, um, you know, go out to a pub on a Sunday and maybe drive home at half nine or ten and get you ready for bed for school in the morning. But they'd be, have been in the pub a few hours. And that, like, that was common in small rural areas. There was no guards on the road. You know, it was just a done thing. So I grew up kind of seeing it. And unfortunately, in 2007, I lost my mum. She was only 60 to it. And that kind of... It didn't deter me back then. It was only when I became a mother to my third child and we were coming out of lockdown that I kind of started questioning, okay, you need to you need to have a talk to yourself because I could kind of see where it was going. I could see I was very, very much dependent on it. And it was scary. And I was Googling and I was erasing my you know, search. And I was thinking, oh, I, I can't. I'm not there. I'm not that person. I'm not going to go down the same road. Mm. But I, it, it was a slow journey. It wasn't like I was, you know, park, a park bench and brown paper bag kind of a thing. But I wouldn't like to know what my life would be like if I continued. I, it, that's not a place I wanted to go. So I had to make changes. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear about your mom. Um did I hear correctly that you said that, did she die because of alcohol reasons? Yes, she did. Yeah. 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 And we didn't, we didn't realize at the time, I'm, I'm, I'm the youngest of four daughters and my dad, thank God, is still with us. He's 77. And we didn't realize when she was sick, what she was sick from until it was too mm. late. And, and unfortunately that was her path, but it has made me very, very much more resilient and more determined so I'm hoping that wherever she is up there that she knows that by what she went through and what I learned after that I mean she's gone nearly 17 years and I became a mother 11 years ago and it was only then I kind of started seeing things from a mother's perspective and that's when it really started to click into place yeah yeah so what so talk about that period then and then obviously you know having that child and then up to the sort of lockdown period what what did your drinking look like and, and how was it making you feel in that kind of period? What things? Um, I think between, so my oldest boy is nearly 11 and my youngest is, is gone three and a half. So there was about seven years there where I was a happy drinker to the point where like I drank and I just get over the hangover. So it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't, you know, we'd go out for dinner on a Sunday. And I mean, the thought of going for dinner on a Sunday and not having a glass of wine with my dinner was like, it was wrong. You couldn't possibly. Also, I would have had a bottle of wine maybe on a Friday night and maybe on a Saturday night, you mm -hmm. know, and this kind of became the done thing. I'm a hairdresser, so I talk to mums all the time. And I definitely think there's a general consensus that a lot of women are white knuckling it through the week, Monday to Thursday. 
And they're like, oh, come on, bring the weekend. I'm so stressed with work. You know, my boss has been a pain and stressed with kids and husbands and all the bits. And then they're living for the weekend to get stuck into a bottle of wine on a Friday and Saturday night. And then they're like, I look, I was doing the same. But it's it's such a vicious cycle because then like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're feeling crap and you're I used to have no patience with the kids. I'd be snappy, I'd be tired, and I was blaming life. Life is so hard, I'm so stressed, it's so tough. And it was only when I kind of came out of it, I was like, My God, I have so much energy and waking up the clear head in the morning, and I became so much more patient with my children. Like, thank God we have three very healthy kids and they're perfect. But they're kids, like, they test your patience. But I'm a, a miles away from where I was back then. Like, I, it makes me sad kind of to think the, the peace I, I missed out on with my kids, my older two back then. But I'm making up for it now. And I, I you know, yeah. and I love having the peace of mind that when I get up in the morning, whatever is thrown at me for the day, I can handle it sober, even if it's hard. But at least I'm not doing it hungover. That's, oh, it's it's so free and knowing I never have to feel like that again. It really is. Oh, it really is, like, yeah. It really is. Um, it's amazing, isn't it, how we get used to running at 70%. Yeah. And that just becomes our normal. Yeah. I, I find that fascinating because I was in that same trap when you were talking about waiting for the weekend I think I spent all of my 20s and a mm. lot of my 30s like nearly yeah. all of my 30s in that same pattern of just yeah. all that really matters in my week is Friday Saturday or Thursday Friday Saturday maybe yeah. Sunday and it's, mm-hmm. it's just living for it's not even really half of the week it is just the weekend yeah and it's quite sad isn't it uh, <laughs> Yeah, I found it even, like, I spent a lot of my, like, that 20s, I suppose, and early 30s, you know, doing, like, the likes of Slimming World and Weight Watchers and kind of struggling with a stone or two or three. Mm. Um, and I remember sitting in Slimming World and Weight Watchers thinking about, you know, how can I eat less and still drink at the weekend? Yeah. That was that was my priority. I would have, <laughs> and I did. I went without meals to try and cut back to make space for drink. And when I look back now, I think, oh my God, oh my God, like that's just bizarre. I've learned so much about nutrition and about what alcohol does to your body. Like priorities were way off. So even just learning that kind of information has made me appreciate my body more. And it's taken me until I'm like 39 with three kids to really appreciate what I have. It's the only body I'm going to have. And I, I love it. I, I have to say, becoming sober has made me love myself more than any other thing that I've done has done so that's if nothing else ever happened that's a huge accomplishment for me it is a huge accomplishment um I I feel the same as well about focusing more on nutrition my diet's Mm. not perfect but (laughs) every day I try every day I just try to stick to my new health and nutrition values I probably get it about 80% right, but it's progress. You know, it's a lot better than it was. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And a lot better as a, than, you know, as, as, a, as a, when I was a drinker, I wasn't focused on that sort of stuff at all. I think, like you, I was probably just focused on, I want to lose weight to look good or to, mm. you know, to feel like I look good in the mirror type of thing. Not, I want to 
eat well to fuel my body and make it run you know op- optimally you know 100 percent. you know am i am i feeding my brain am i giving am i eating foods that are going to help me to protect against things like alzheimer's and just all these things that i've just become yeah. much more interested in and i do think that stopping drinking does wake you up a bit to, to oh. a lot of things but certainly to a hundred percent like i i have never up until september last year i don't think i was ever, ever really in a gym yeah. And I'm doing a personal personal development course with a mindset mentor from down in Kerry, which is at the bottom of Ireland. Um, and like we talk about how you want things to be and writing the new version of us into existence. And, you know, I was kind of, you know, I'd like to be strong and I'd like to be fit and all this. And I kept writing it down. And one day I said to myself, it's not going to happen unless I actually do something. So I have a friend who has her own gym um, and it's actually, it's the West's first only women gym, which is fantastic. And that really helped me because I didn't want to have to go into a gym and not know, you know, what to do and look, you know, daft, but not knowing what yeah. the machines were. So I made an appointment for her to be my personal trainer. Um, and I go on a Tuesday morning now. Now I did miss a few weeks over Christmas, but we're back into it. But I done about 10 weeks before Christmas of once a week with her for an hour. And we just like we chat and we discuss being sober and the exercise I was doing at home and my new meals and protein intake and water intake and all this kind of stuff that I never really talked to anybody about before. Yeah. And I learned how to move and I learned how to lift weights and she told me I was built for strength which was brilliant and I've really enjoyed growing not even physically but just in my mind learning Mm -hmm. I can do things like I'm 39 I told myself 10 years ago it was too late to start the gym because I kept putting it off and I didn't want the change my my paradigm that I was dealing with wanted to keep me stuck and yeah. it kept me you know comfortable in that horrible mm. comfort zone and yeah. once I got out of there and I my first PT session I came out and I was buzzing it was like the best high I've ever felt and then the next day I could not walk down the stairs and I remember texting her and saying I don't think I can do this she said you'll be fine give yourself a couple of days get your next workout done at home and that was it I was working out four times a week and I loved it so I'm back into it again and that is my new crutch I find if I'm having a bad day I come into my hair salon I have my weights and everything here and I just do half an hour and I'm telling myself you know the Trish you were back in lockdown would be so proud now look at you go and the Trish that's looking at you from 2025 is willing you on so keep doing it and oh, that, I love that. I it love helps that. it does that's so powerful I love that um, you would probably love something that I've just been doing, actually. I've been reading this in a in a book called The Source, um, and it's about vision boards. Oh, to be honest, lovely. I love a vision board anyway, because I yeah. am quite creative. I've always had mood boards, you know, when I've uh, moved house or something in the past. I've, I've always enjoyed doing that type of thing. But the vision board I created for myself was about who I want to be, and what I want my life to look like when I'm in my 60s, 70s, and 80s, right? Mm. So I've just got this, I've got this, I actually just did it in PowerPoint, so I don't have all the magazines and the cutting out bits, but I could I could just Google things um, and get the pictures that I want. And I chose all these brilliant images with lots of sport, yoga, lots of kind of older, like quite mature ladies that were lifting big weights and, you know, had muscly arms and 
just like lots of nice pictures with you know family out walking looking healthy feeling healthy eating a good diet just all pictures like that just thinking you know why I think we put so many limitations around this age thing and Mm. what I think Instagram is amazing for as well social media not just for the sober stuff because it is awesome for that but there is a lot of inspiration around older obviously I'm looking at older women but I'm sure there are older men as well but certainly older women women that are lifting weights and doing amazing yoga poses and you know they're in their 80s and they look fantastic they look healthy they're beautiful they've got gray hair they've got stunning makeup like they're (laughs) not it's just and I think that's what I want I want to be like that and I do think that if you can connect connect with that version of yourself that you you know the version of yourself you want to be now or that you're heading towards in a year but for me as well it's really important to be a certain you know version of myself I want to create that image in 20 Mm. 30 years yeah and what do I need to do today to make that vision happen you know it's that kind of connection it's about what I do today in my late 40s I think that will help me pave the way to that success Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I am um, like that. I I never used to think about like stretching or yoga and you get up in the morning and I'd be stiff and sore. And like back when I was drinking, I never really done much exercise. I might walk. And sometimes that was like Sunday morning and I'd get up out of bed and leave my husband and my kids here and go for a walk. And that was too, and this is sad to say, but it's the truth to chastise myself and nearly make myself feel bad to repent for drinking the night beforehand and like waking up feeling crap and you know I tell myself well if I get out and walk and burn a few calories it makes it all okay and sometimes it worked in my head but it was like I think the biggest change for me was my mindset I had to change how I thought about myself and about what my opportunities were going to be and how you know play it forward I one of the first books I read um, was Annie Grace, um, The Snake of Mind, and I read it twice, and it was life changing. Is the only thing I can say in the respect that I had been doing um, free masterclasses during lockdown on on our computer with the with the mindset mentor that I'm with now. His name is Declan O'Donoghue. He's down in Kerry. And we used to do these four-day masterclasses and they'd be done at like eight in the evening. And they were interactive and we had workbooks we could print out. And his thing from it was always trying to help us with our thoughts and our feelings, positive thinking, you know, the law of attraction, all this kind of stuff. But his his slogan was, how do you want it to be? Mm-hmm. And that every time, once I started doing this and thinking about, you know, oh my God, I could have this and I could have that. I, every time it popped into my head, there was a a voice saying, you know, how how do you want it to be? I need to be sober. Mm. And for the first few times I heard that voice, that was scarier than when I used to ask myself, am I an alcoholic? And Mm. like, I'd be doing these masterclasses and I'd be sat there with my glass of wine. And that, that was scary because then I thought, okay, well, there's no way I can do that. I mean, I'm just going to have to suffer and have a great life while drinking and the more I thought about it that thought kept repeating I know I want to be sober I want to be sober and I started following Annie Grace and listening to a podcast and then once I started looking on sober pages on Instagram I found more people and yourself and reading other people's stories normal people 
that made the changes and I was like right I'm going to have to try and do this one day at a time as opposed to get sober now because it, it, you don't get sober now it's something you look back on after five days or ten days or thirty days and thank god it clicked and I'm here at this stage and like that I can only ever say I'm not going to drink today yeah yeah it's a good strategy for a lot of people because it is quite overwhelming thinking this is forever I mean it doesn't have it doesn't have to be that dialogue it doesn't have to be that dialogue um when we came um online together before we clicked record you were talking about this was your longest stint Mm -hmm. and you've done a few stints before could you um just talk us through that yeah so it started kind of in the February of 21 we had we were in our third lockdown my baby my youngest baby was six months old and like that we've been doing these courses and I was just getting really sick and tired of feeling sick and tired and that's the only way I can explain it and the voice in my head had been talking to me for about six months wanting to be curious so I remember coming down hungover one morning and put my baby in his bouncy chair and I got my phone out and I went onto Amazon and I Googled sober books. And I bought two books. One of them I actually have here, um, Mindful Drinking. It was about a lady who cut back, basically. And that gave me hope. So I was like, oh, so I could cut back and maybe not give up fully. Yeah. And that was what that was my bargaining chip. I'm going to moderate. I'm not going to give it up. I don't need to give it up, but I can cut back a little bit. So that kind of helped me go to the next book. And then the more I read, the more I learned. So I started like a journal. And I think the very first day I wrote, I was celebrating three days sober. Three days with no wine. And that to me was, I think I actually sent you the picture um, of my journal. That to me was a massive accomplishment. I had spent most of the lockdown, which was probably nearly a year at that stage, drinking every night. Mm-hmm. Now, I will admit, for those couple of nights that I'd done it first, I had to go to bed and mm-hmm. sit in bed watching TV because I could not sit on my couch in the same position. My hand used to go to the left to pick up my wine glass that wasn't there subconsciously and that happened and at one point I said to my husband I have to go to bed I can't do this and I went to bed and I cried because I was angry at myself Mm. I'm like how can you be so dependent I suppose but then once I started reading and I learned the science behind it and what it does to your body physiologically Mm. this naked mind book really helped that and once I learned this stuff I couldn't unlearn it and that bothered me then because the book and the knowledge had ruined my glass of wine because when I was drinking yes. it, I was like, this is bad for you. It's going to make you feel shit tomorrow. It shouldn't yeah. be, you know. And then I was mad and I stopped reading the books because it had taken the fun out of drinking for me, even though that's kind of what I wanted. So i done, you know, I used to get through maybe 10 or 15 days at the start and I'd be so proud of myself. I got through two weekends and I'd treat myself with one glass of wine and then that would be the bottle gone. And then as the weeks passed, I started racking up more and I probably done two or three weeks, probably seven or eight times and longer and longer it started. And then I started, you know, doing the Facebook groups, the Snake of Mind and all this sober curious and stuff. And I used to post and I used to comment on people's posts and that helped because then there was other people doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, the books used to say, use them as data points, learn from them, question, why did you drink? How did it make you feel? How did you, you know, feel afterwards? And every single time I felt crap afterwards, it never made me happy. For the hour I would be drinking on my couch, it might be okay. And then by the time the bottle was gone, I'd be sad and I'd go to bed feeling sad. So it had taken the shine out of drinking by learning the knowledge. And that made it easier because then it was easier to not want it because I knew well, you might feel better if you don't have it tonight. And once I got into that rhythm and started having a night after night and week after week, I'd done 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. And then over the summer last year, we had a couple of family events. Um, and I like that, two or three glasses of wine, woke up in the morning and I was like, you shouldn't have. I felt disappointed. So then it was, okay, I'm just going to make the decision. I'm going to do this. And once I decided, September the 18th was my last drink. And that was, um, it was actually, I was at uh, Hair Awards with my husband in Galway. And I won Top Stylist of the Year in Ireland. Amazing. And I woke up the next morning sad and depressed because I was disappointed because I drank that night. Oh, and I said, okay, you've just done something I had been, I'd, I'd been writing about it for months you know, winning awards and increasing my business as bridal hairdresser. And I'd done it. I got there and drinking took the goodness out of it. So that the decision was made. It has to go. It's It was the thief of joy um, in so many regards between my children and events that happened with family. It always kind of took the shine off things when I look at it from outside the box. So that was my last day. And I'm happy to say I don't want it anymore. And that's freedom. I've never felt freedom like it. I do not want it ever. We got through Christmas. I got through my 39th birthday. I've got through loads of, you know, financial issues and health things. And I've never once thought, oh, I could kill a glass of wine. Where now it's a cup of tea. (laughs) Tea is my new thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? It's so bizarre, isn't it? I think I still blows me away that I loved drinking so much you know or at least I thought I did I yeah. thought I really loved it I mm. really really just thought I'm never gonna stop drinking <laughs> and and then that moment when it shifts to you you almost just forget about it you don't yeah. it's different for everybody I think when this happens but yeah, I do think that when it happens, it's such a brilliant realization that you just think, I, I'm not missing, I'm not, I've not even thought about drinking this weekend. You know, and you have yeah. those moments yeah. where you think, yeah. or when you Definitely. get depressed, you don't, the knee jerk isn't wine. I remember a couple of challenging parenting moments when in my head, all I was thinking was, Oh, all I want is glass wine. I just, I, mm. if I had a glass wine now, I would literally neck it. You yeah. Know, I felt that stressed. Um, and I, I, maybe I'd done that before. Like I must have done. I probably had done that. Um, or, or, you know, maybe just kind of hung on until six or seven when I could. Yeah. But when that stops happening and you just feel really stressed, even though that's not, it's still not, it's not a great feeling, but you're not, look you put your body and your brain is not looking for that immediate chemical fix you just mm. have to try and work out somehow how you're going to come down from the stress and then yes. and which you do right that yeah happens. you do of course you do learn that that happens mm-hmm. that is just such a great feeling um and and i i think that i 
I mean, it does, you know, it's not as strong for me, that kind of feeling, but I still definitely have a lot of moments where my mind will flick back to, God, imagine if I was drinking through this. Mm. Terrible. Or, you know, it, it still yeah. does that, even though I'm nearly five years it still does that. It's like the, that for me. It's like the gift that keeps on giving. I just love the way that my brain is always reminding me of that. It doesn't need to, but I find that comforting. I quite like yeah. that. It is. It's, it, it definitely helps. And I do think a lot of it's about mindset and how you speak to yourself and how you think about yourself. My my inner talk was horrible. Like I just didn't. I didn't like me, especially when you wake up hungover and three kids, and I used to feel guilty and. I, I'm really like, I, I love learning about the law of attraction and the law of vibration and all the different laws of the universe and you get what you put out there and, you know, manifest and stuff. And I'm so thankful that I didn't attract worse things into my life when I was drinking because I, I wouldn't say the things to a friend or an enemy that I used to say to myself in the mornings. And that was one thing I, my, that I really, really loved when I became sober and started to see the clarity, the gray clouds would lift and I started to like me more. And that's so important. Like I have a daughter who's nearly eight and I used to look at her and think if she grew up and spoke to herself the way I'm saying things to myself, I would be so ashamed, Mm -hmm. you know? So I, because I, I appreciate myself more and my body and my mind and what I can do and my capabilities, I'm able to tell her the same and my two sons. And even my clients, you know, I, I try my best to listen and if needed to give a little bit of advice, not just in sober journeys, but in all sorts of paths of life. And I would have never wanted to do that and to try and help people as much as I do now. I think if I was still drinking, I would have been just too consumed with like, when can I drink next or how much can I drink next? Or, you know, that was always a a thing. You'd have a glass of wine and two glasses in, you're like, oh, bottles half gone and panic would set in. So that's, you know, that's great. That, 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 that part of my life is just gone. I don't want it anymore. Yeah. I think it, drinking makes your world so unbelievably small. Yeah. Tiny. And it's it's that everything is just resting on that next big event or mm-hmm. weekend when you can have wine. You plan everything based on being able to drink, and you don't stick to things because you drank. And yeah. it's just it, it's actually it's just so limiting. It really is. I remember looking back and on Sundays. So Saturdays we'd make plans for Sunday, my day off, and. I'm, I'm, I am, I'm upset to say it, but again, I'll, I'll shame the devil. Um, we often cancelled plans on Sundays, even going to the playground with the kids or something because we'd be hungover and I'd be afraid to drive. And now, like even just that, the freedom of getting up on any morning, but especially a Sunday and say, right, let's go. We get in the car and we can head off at nine or half nine or ten if we wanted. Or you don't feel guilty for having a lie-in and snuggling in bed because you're clear-headed. So yeah. the guilt is gone. And then small things. Every every day, there's something new that I'm like, I'm so thankful. Thank God. I woke up the stairs at night and I'm like, you've done it again. You've, you know, got through another day. And I've learned about feelings a lot more. I have learned a lot about like my emotional spectrum. Mm-hmm. I suppose from the age of 13 or 14, once I started drinking and experience it, um, 
my feelings were very limited because I didn't deal with much. Even when my mom passed, I didn't really deal with it as such. You know, most of the time I remember drinking because I was upset or a celebration or I was bored or whatever. Mm. Um, and a lot of the times that I would have spent with my friends, 95% of that was surrounded with drink. So I never got to be me. And that was something I, that was probably the harder part to deal with because the physical cravings and wanting the alcohol, they went fairly, you know, within the first few weeks, but like even now, so I'm 136 days today. And even this morning, mm. I was dealing with negative thoughts in my head, worrying about money and bills and broken down cars. And I sat and I colored my hair and I cried and I said, there's no point in burying them. Get it out of you. You know, talk about it. Feel better. And I do. I got up, showered, fixed my hair, done my makeup. And I'm like, that's growth to me because I was able to get through the feeling and come out the other side. And that's, it's, I think it's just responsible for my own emotions. And that's been the biggest takeaway that I can get from it because I'm growing every day. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. You've done so, you've done so amazingly well. Um, I think the feelings bit is, it's a big can of worms when you stop mm. those feelings. And I, I often think in my own experience, I have been able to recognize a lot over the years where I'm trying to avoid feeling a certain way because it's not very nice. You know, yeah. that's the best way I can describe it. Yeah. And um, because I'm really kind of much more hyper aware of that now, and obviously I've tried to coach this into people as well, uh, I'm so much more focused on it. And so, for example, in the last uh, week or so, there's been something that's happened and and it kind of bothered me. And the way that I handled it bothered me, not because I handled it badly. I implemented a boundary in, in a situation, but it feels uncomfortable, even still sometimes to implement boundaries I, I say that still just because obviously for me I you know I have I have been in this sober world a bit longer and I've had lots probably lots more opportunities to implement those boundaries but even still you know nearly five years in yeah. I'm struggling with this boundary setting I did it but I felt uncomfortable and I was really aware of I felt uncomfortable day two days still on my mind on day three and there was almost a feeling of, oh, for God's sake, you know, I just want this to go now. I just want to mm. move on, move on. <laughs> and I sort of realized in that moment, well, but actually you need to feel it for as long as it wants to feel felt sort of thing. Yeah. You know? And, and <clears throat> what is it that is bothering you about that boundary and just trying to explore it a little bit more? Is it just that it's uncomfortable or could you have maybe done it in a slightly different way or, you know, and just trying yeah. to about it but I definitely had that feeling for four or five days I think yeah and it just kind of passed now I kind of moved on from it now but I was aware of almost feeling mildly aggravated that it hadn't gone quicker than I wanted it to go like I was annoyed that it was hanging around sort of thing you know it's 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 weird it's complicated I think the feelings part oh absolutely definitely and we have like we have a certain amount of control over our feelings. I, I, you know, I do believe that you can change how you feel by thinking different thoughts, but sometimes it's hard, you know, and I, I have seen it in my own life. When you are having the negative low mood thoughts, you attract more. And that was an awful part of my life. A lot of it when I was drinking, because 
it, you're, it definitely brings down your mood. It's a lower vibration that you're in. Whether when I used to be drinking, I'd think I was happy, but it's a fake happy. And then when I was hungover, I was I was real sad because everything in my body felt down. And to come out of that and then have to kind of feel proper joy and proper pain and proper worry. But I can kind of get a little bit more of a handle on it now because I can say, right, feel it. Let it pass and move on because one of my favorite sayings these days is this too shall pass. And it's so true because we can have really good days and you have to remember, you know, it's not always going to be like this. And then we can have really bad days and you can also remember it's not always going to be like this. And that helps. And I've seen it ebbs and flows, but the dips and the, the lifts aren't as bad anymore. It's a lot more kind of normal and a steadier flow. And then life throws you a curveball, you know, and can ruin your week. But it's, I do think if we can respond and take a little bit of a breather before we make a decision or before we open our mouth. And like you were saying there, you know, we kind of think, could you have done better with that certain situation and outcome? And I've learned if I do mess up or I do something that I could have handled better. And sometimes it's, well, most of the time it's with family, kids and husbands. Well, yeah. husbands, thank God, I've only got the one. Um, but I've learned to say sorry. And I've learned yeah. to own my feelings and say, you know, I shouldn't have snapped. I'm really sorry. I have things on my mind that I shouldn't be letting swarm and take the goodness out of the day. And that's, I never used to do that. We, no. I just didn't. So no. that helps. It, it helps the mind. That does really help. I take huge comfort in that as well. Um, I think like you, the parenting piece I've I think I was snappy and irritable when mm. I was a drinking parent for sure right yes yeah and, um you know and I, I, I don't feel great about that but then when I stopped drinking I definitely noticed some improvements but I was also surprised that it definitely all just didn't go away yeah you know, like, <laughs> Like I still felt anger and I think when I first really felt that anger the first few times I felt anger in sobriety it surprised me because I think sometimes we can just well me talking about myself um I think I perhaps an, ex, an expectation that sobriety was just going to fix everything as well yeah, I had I had the same yeah yeah and so when I felt like ragey anger you know and I felt like mm-hmm. I like temper which is not I wouldn't say that's a lot but I, I do get there um I was a bit disappointed because I thought yeah. I thought this was going to be all right now that I stopped drinking and then I realized that actually you are still going to feel these feelings and you are still going to get angry and there is learning I'm still trying to learn that now yeah. to be honest. sometimes I go months and months and months and I am as cool as a cucumber you know I've got three kids as well sometimes mm-hmm. they can be really hectic yeah <laughs> you know there's always one that knows how to push the buttons better than the others oh yeah <laughs> Sometimes I go months and months and months and I'm very zen and then something really trivial will just make me flip and I'll just be able to lose it. But I'm the same as you. I've learned how to reflect. I've learned how to take my responsibility, which is something I always try and explore. I always try and find what is my responsibility in a situation. What could I have done better um, or what didn't I do very well? And Mm -hmm. I always apologize and say, it's not your fault. I lost yeah. my, that's my fault. I lost my temper. I'm, I'm sorry. You know, da, 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 da. And I think there's power in that because, you know, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, 
uh, my mum lost her shit with me a lot and there was never any apologies there mm. it, you know, and, uh, I'm not trying to say my mum was really bad or anything but it was a different <laughs> it's just a different experience to what I feel like I'm able to create now for my children and I suppose it's only when they're grown up you realize if you've actually done an okay job but mm. um but I do feel like taking that responsibility helps me and and probably does help them as well yeah and I've done the same I have had like that conversations with the kids after a little bit of a an argument and I'll even going to your own kids your ego is still it's there you know and having not having to go I get to go and sit down on the bed and say look I'm sorry I shouldn't have snapped or I shouldn't have raised my voice and I explain I'll say you know when you're older and you've got your own kids if you have them or whatever you're going to realize that we're doing the best with what we have and I've never been a mum today to ye at this stage of our lives before and I'm learning and that's a big thing because no, our, my parents never came and said, you know, I'm sorry for shouting at you. I mean, that just wasn't a done thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that has helped and I'm hoping it will help my kids grow and learn. You know, if you do mess up and you make a mistake, it, that's normal. We all make mistakes, even at the age of 70, there's people out there and they have arguments or they do things they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. But I think learning to be able to say sorry and bear your soul a little bit and be, you know, we're all human. And we're all trying. None of us are better or worse than anybody else. We're just, we're trying different things and making different efforts in different areas. And that's all we can do, really. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, What would you say to people that are stuck in that phase that you certainly mentioned earlier? And I remember being mentioned um, sorry I remember being stuck in it as well it's that kind of it's almost that phase that moderation phase before (laughs) you finally get to the point well if you because not everybody does right but in our cases we finally got to that point where moderation is elusive it's not gonna happen if you're somebody that has to try and moderate you're not gonna moderate the way think you are basically people that are trying to moderate are trying to mimic a take it or leave it drinker and those two things don't connect or match or align in any way what would you say to people that are stuck there because I see a lot of people in that zone where they're just there there's a little bit of denial there you know I don't Mm -hmm. want to give forever you know because there is value on drinking in their mindset I don't want to give up drinking forever I just want to drink you know I still want to be able to have the glass of champagne at the wedding or on the holiday you know it's it's I don't want that to be my story I just want to kind of drink better what would you say to them well everything you've said there that was me that is the story I told myself in the beginning and probably up until even last summer when we were having our family events and I'd have a drink you know I'd have the drink and it was never one I might have two or three or five but I done the same thing. I lied to myself and I, you know, I used to read the moderation posts on these um, forums and stuff. And I was like, oh, thank God, I'm actually going to be able to do both. I can drink and be sober, <laughs> which I mean, just when you when you say that out loud. So I I completely filled my mind with quitlet. Um, I read books. I yeah. I used to go out walking um, like that back, like 
trying to clear my head. And I, I would listen to four or five episodes of the Snake of Mind podcast on Spotify, or I would listen to YouTube, or I would read or listen to audiobooks. And I just filled my mind with knowledge because in the back of my mind I kept thinking about how do I want this to be and sobriety was a big part of my life and I said right well I'm going to have to learn more about it and I don't think I would have got to where I am now without having the moderation phase and learning you know the more I had a break and had a drink the more I the more resentment I nearly had and I felt angry towards the drink for making me feel crap and I could see it a little bit more every time I had a hangover or I didn't have a hangover, but I still felt crap. I was like, I haven't gained anything. And I, it started to lose its value. Like you said there, you know, you, I didn't want to give it up because I thought it was doing something for me. And when I discovered that I could do events without drinking and I could do dinners without drinking, and then we went on to a birthday and we got through a full sober Christmas. And I was like, I don't see the point anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that, it, I, I didn't want it as much then. And now it's like, there's not much that I'm hoping, I, like I said, I can only do it a day at a time, but I just don't see the value of it anymore. I don't see why I would bother putting it into my system and changing who I am. Because even after, you know, a drink or two, your mind changes and the person you are changes and you become a little bit fuzzy and everything comes a bit blurred mm. and I didn't really want that anymore I like who I am now I like my thought process I like my the way I get up in the morning I get up and I journal I yeah. get up at seven every morning I do my coursework with my mindset mentor and we talk about you know progression and growth and starting new businesses and multiple sources of income and all this kind of lovely stuff and how to train ourselves to think better and be better parents and be better people and just drinking doesn't fit that anymore. It just, it isn't, it's not something that has value for me anymore, but that happened. It was a gradual, yeah. you know, phase. And I'm not, I'm not promoting moderation, but for me, I had to do it. It was part of my steps. And every time I've done it and had a drink, I wanted it less, but I'm not recommending it. But I'm, you know, it, it was very overwhelming for me back then in 2021 to turn around and say, that's it. I'm never drinking again. That was so scary. So yeah. it was a day at a time, a week at a time, get past a weekend. And, it, it, you know, I think it's not something that's going to be done for anybody in a week or two or even a year. I mean, like you said, you're nearly five years. I cannot wait to get to my year and get to five is just, I mean, that's that's on my vision board. You know, I'm, I'm that's the me I want to be like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it really, it really changes, I think, every year. I think I honestly think that... <sighs> Year one, year two, year three, year four, they were all slightly better than each other. Yeah, I can't wait. That's that's so exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it is exciting. Um, you mentioned earlier as well about mindset, which I, I you know, t totally believe in as well. I really think the mind is our most powerful, strongest tool, and we don't tap into half of its power nearly no. all the time. But um, I always felt like I approached getting sober. It was never, um, you know, if I can do this. It was yeah. never that. It was always, I might not know how to do it, but I'm going to find out and I'm going to do it. You know? Exactly. I think yeah. There's a big difference in that. Oh, I, definitely. There is. I think mm -hmm. I think language is 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 important. And I 
I, I flagged this a lot in my Thrive group, my membership group, because sometimes when people have a big event coming up that they're feeling anxious about, uh, like a holiday or wedding or Hindu, you know, they're the worst. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you see, you're in the first, whatever, 100 days, you've got a Hindu coming up with a load of boozy girls. Um, um, and the language, I'm always careful to listen to the language, you know, that kind of, I'm going to, you know, try and I'm hoping, Mm. you know, I'd like to think that I might be able. And it's like, no, 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 no. You know, your, your, your thoughts show up in your results. So if you're you're thinking I might, you know, I might be able to do it by the time you're on that beach on day one, you're, you're not doing it. Like, because there's there's not enough um, focus there on, the language the language is not strong enough or supportive enough so it's good to have those things keep those things in check and I think things like books and podcasts as well and just being mm-hmm. in that community where people are focusing on mindset and and you know growth mindset and and, and not being limited in their thinking all of that stuff does chip away at you and it does have a little impact each day and makes you better makes you stronger um so in terms of your gains, what do you think has been the biggest gain for you in not drinking? It's difficult um, to it, I appreciate, but yes. My own, probably my own personal growth. Um, just, I want more out of life now. I want to push myself. Like I've been hairdressing since 2001 and only in the last four months I have kind of, started looking and thinking about maybe not doing something different, but having a second income. So only this week I actually got set up. I've done a couple of digital marketing courses and I've absorbed them and taken notes and rewatched videos. And I've now started a second business. Now, like that, like you were saying about the language, I, God, I was the doubt and Thomas in my mind. You can't do this. You know, who are you to start a digital marketing or a hairdresser? But then I was like, that voice, get out. I don't want to hear that. I can and will at least try, if not succeed. And if it takes two years, I'm enjoying the process of doing something different. I enjoyed learning. The course has taught me so much about digital marketing on social media. And I depend on social media for what I do for my wedding business and doing bridal parties. Um, so I've learned how to use it better and just even want, wanting to learn. I mean, I wouldn't even read a book when I was drinking. It was easier to sit and watch the telly. Now I get up in the mornings and I might write out two or three pages of thoughts in my head. And if I am feeling anxious, I write it down and pick it apart. Why are you anxious? Write down the thought and brainstorm. And that has helped. And that has all come from wanting a better life. And that's something I think that sobriety has given me, the want for more. Yeah, yeah. And, and also the belief that it's possible. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think journaling is such a wonderful tool. Uh, I really oh, do. Amazing. I think it's, yeah, when you've, got, when you've got those thoughts swirling around your head, mm-hmm just being able to see them on paper and ask yourself, is this actually fact? Well, this is it. I've learned a lot now in the last couple of years. And like, just because you think something does not make it true. No, but we're so good believing our own thoughts. It's it's astonishing, really. Yeah. And 
when you can disconnect from your thoughts and you accept that thoughts come up and a lot of them are actually kind of a lot of nonsense, nonsense to be honest. A lot yes. of them are just the same ones you had yesterday. Yeah. But your thoughts come up and you have the opportunity to choose if it's a helpful thought or an unsupportive thought and to yeah. discuss kind of thing uh, there's a lot more power there there's so much power in that one shift alone mm-hmm. uh, I, yes. I just, journaling really really helps that it um, does so um what would you say your top three tips are for getting sober okay so i would definitely say um a, ch- a change of our living room massively helped me when i started so we rearranged where our couch was because again the subconscious mind was so used like I said my hand used to go to the left to pick up the wine glass even when there was no glass there so we changed our living room layout and I sat on the opposite side of the couch so that helped now I'm not saying that's going to work for everybody but in my house and my mind that helped yeah the thing I would say is um yeah, invest in a good book or download them or whatever you need to do. I immersed myself every single day because of my head was full of cravings and it was full of doubt and like that, the negative voice saying, you can't do this, you know, you're going to end up like your mom and just go with it. And, you know, you're busy and you're a mom and you're self-employed. You need to drink to deal with the stress. So I had to nearly you know it was like the carrot in front to to keep me going I'd learn from somebody else's journey and that gave me a little bit of hope and that helped build my belief Mm -hmm. Um, and I really found that that helped and the third thing I suppose would be for a lot of my first few weeks and nights when I started this was to have something zero I know it's not going to suit everybody. And now I don't really drink zeros at all. Mm. But back in the day when I started, I had to have something in a glass that wasn't a mineral, even though the zeros were like minerals. But I, you know, I got bottles of clean coal pink gin or I got a bottle of non-alcoholic wine, which was grape juice, but it it worked. But in my head, I was still drinking. And that was, uh, again, it was a lot less daunting. If I tried to sit there back then with a glass of water or a cup of tea, I probably would have thrown in the towel. So I had to have like my adult glass beside me with something in it. And now I just don't really bother. Like we had, a, I'd say probably we, myself and my husband probably shared a couple of bottles of non-alcoholic red wine over Christmas. And it was just to sip on. I never drank red wine when I used to drink ever. I hated it. And I, now I don't want to drink white wine. It just... It, it's again it's not there for me anymore but I think if you need something like that a little crutch or a little bit of chocolate at night or you want to have a nice bath and put a face mask on do whatever it is to treat yourself as long as you're able to not drink yeah agree with those so much yeah I used the zero options in the mm. beginning it was just it was ritual for me I think yeah. my yeah. brain wanted that ritual still yeah. and I did a couple of um zero beers um always every night but then about three or four months in I just phased them out naturally yeah same with that now that's it anymore yeah Mm -hmm. just I just naturally stopped um so if people would like to follow your journey and obviously you've got your new you know business and things how can we find you okay so I have um only only just set up in the last few days so I have started a new Instagram page called grow rich with Trish and it is based on what the new course I've started, the courses that I'm now uh, reselling. It's digital marketing. But I am also going to 
share my journey on being sober because I, I firmly believe that without giving up drink, I wouldn't be doing the things I'm doing now. So I've won all Ireland awards for my hairdressing. I have much better relationship with my husband and kids. I am going to the gym. I'm eating better. I now know what I'm meant to be doing when it comes to protein and your meals, which I didn't. Um, and I'm wanting to try different things and earning a little bit more money and making us a bit more comfortable and not having to worry about direct debits and bills and, you know, all the things that most people have. So I have started this journey and I'm going to share it. And I'm hoping to be able to help others, too, because I have a lot of plans in my mind now from doing the digital marketing course, I'd like to be able to create guides or ebooks for different things and to help people advance and to grow and to learn and to earn a bit more money. And if I can help one person, it's amazing. Um, so yeah, feel free to follow. It's Grow Rich with Trish. And it is only new. I've only got about 10 or 12 posts, but I'm hoping and determined that it's going to go well and I'm going to help people you know, because there's an awful lot of people out there that are boxed in and are afraid to hope for better. You know, mm. it was it's scary feeling crap and wanting better because the voice in your head is saying, you know, who are you kidding? You can't do that. And I'd like to be able to say to people, you can put a little bit of work in one small change at a time, day by day. And we've no idea what we can do. We don't know the capacity of our, you know, of, of what we can achieve. So I think it's, it's important to just try every day. And that's what I'm hoping to be able to share with people. Oh, I think that's so inspirational. And I wish you all the luck in the world. I Thank think you so much. once you get into this zone, let's say, mm. Um, where you're growing your own mind and learning yeah. all these tools and strategies and just <clears throat> it's almost like being in that kind of place of mental I think it just gets bigger you know that space just gets bigger for you I yeah. found that personally you know the more I throw into helping people or learning about myself especially in in a way that I can improve my own life but help others as well I just feel like that you know it grows and grows and grows like it, it's yeah abundant space um, absolutely yeah excellent thank you so much Tisha thank you so much thank you for having me I've really enjoyed it I was very nervous but you know what it's been really cathartic <laughs> talking about it so thank you very very much absolute pleasure and um you gotta go get to that little dog he sounds like he needs to go outside doesn't he? yeah he's probably barking at the cat <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you making the time for me today and re thank honestly you. really good luck with everything and stay in touch Thank you so much for listening to this podcast if you're interested in being a guest please contact me directly on instagram by sending a message to at sassy sober mum you can also find helpful tools and resources on my website sassy if you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love please like share and rate the podcast I really look forward to next time. See you then.